Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marlin. I am Crown Girl. Marlin, we got the ultimate peel behind the onion yesterday. We did. We usually start our in-person podcast by cheersing, usually me uh, PBR, usually that's the beer of choice for us. But because it is eight o'clock on Sunday morning and we are still in Charlotte. And I'm the only one drinking. You are the only one boozing. No, we are uh, we are choosing some coffee. But we had a just a, an awesome day yesterday, hanging with the SEC Network crew, getting the full tour of their operation, which was really incredible, and I think kind of blew us both away. Um, today, sitting here, do you now feel like those guys, those guys, and what they do is even more difficult than what we probably realized watching yeah. on TV. Yeah, without a doubt. It was it was a lot of fun. Like th- those guys are great and, and you know, we obviously have a, ba- a blast hanging out with them. And it's cool to have those relationships in general, but to do that kind of stuff in person where it's just like you know, it, they, they like I was talking about Chizik. They just he never stopped working. He Ch- never Chizik stopped is working. He is a machine. I need people to know this because yeah. there are probably people in this world that think, oh, Gene Chizik just kind of shows up for his job or whatever. And, you know, he just kind of phones it in and he's a coach and he just knows enough about whatever something right. he's talking about to he'll BS his way through it. No, no, no. You need to understand that Gene Chizik called a game on Friday night in Blacksburg, called right. that Duke-Virginia Tech game, and then got to got to Charlotte on, Friday, or on Saturday morning, comes into the studio and just works for like 13 hours straight. Right. And just is, is an absolute machine. He and also, sits there and breaks down stuff in ways that we neither of us can. And he sees yeah. things that watching him do some of the, when they when they put the, the touch screen on and do all that stuff, I, I was amazed. He, he is a specimen. He well, everything on the touch screen too, it's like stuff that you'd break down in slow motion. He sees it in real time exactly. immediately. He's like, oh, this is what we're gonna do. And then breaks down what the touch screen's gonna be in real time you're like goodness he he was as somebody that's like a Bama fan from from that had to experience the 2010 Auburn season I did not have the highest amount of maybe respect for Gene Chizik which is like, <laughs> which is which is incredibly dumb and completely rooted in fandom but he was he was he was like the most impressive part of the day and you know the other thing about him is when he walked in the first thing he said, like, so he's walking in, like, we see CD, we see Dari, and we see PB. They're all got like their their mics in. He walks in, doesn't know us from anybody. Doesn't yeah. know, we're, we're just these two weird kids yep. sitting in the side, like oh, kid. You're well, thirty three at this point. Thanks, Connor. You're twenty nine. Yeah. So, um, but kid. like, he's like sitting in the like we're just sitting out to the side, like you bring your kids to work day is basically yeah. what it looked like. And he he comes in and first thing he wants to do is find his son on TV. For the Furman game, and then immediately comes there's like, hey guys, nice to meet you, like, yeah. super nice. It was unbelievable. It was really cool, and even just asking Gene about talking to him about Cam Newton was, was really really cool. I mean, getting that my mouth shut on that one. Yeah, you uh, you kept quiet <laughs> on that one, but I think just watching the way that those those three have just such a great chemistry, and then watching PB too. Yeah, was, you know, PB for those who don't know, he starts off kind of by himself doing the SEC mm-hmm. Network stuff and doing the cut ins and doing some of the halftime stuff. Um, but you know, then when obviously Doring shows up and Gene show up, those guys, they all just blend so well together. And I don't know if that comes across on TV, but getting to watch them do an hour of live television at the end. It's crazy. It's amazing. They do it without any pre pre-recorded stuff and they come up with great ideas on the fly and they have a, a talented team of producers and, and on air and on air people who work with them. And it's amazing watching it all to come together. And that, yeah. Just everything, I have so much more respect for, for the process. As cliche as that sounds, seeing yeah. those guys go through it. Whereas on a given Saturday, 
we can sit in our living rooms and we can be off. We can be on social media and stuff. Right. And yeah, I guess we got to be on technically, but watching those guys have to operate in that facet and and never waver. They they never got to no. a point where they were like, oh, That's we're tired. I complain about like to Ali at times. I'm like, like the most only frustrating part of my job, only frustrating part, is that like I have to be on and be funny. Like, hey, Chris, be funny, make tweets, do memes, all these things. I'm like, this, you know, sometimes. Sometimes Chris wants to be a little sad boy yeah. and like doesn't want to do this. Those guys are on the entire day. So anyway, they uh, we have we do have a lot to get to. Wanted to finish up a couple couple quick things on our on our Charlotte experience though. Um, so we got to go like get a tour of the of the whole facility and everything. Got to sit in Feinbaum's chair, yeah, which was really really cool. Took got we each got a pick sitting uh, sitting in Paul's chair. I'm sure that that. Well, now that the restraining order is over, that's not even. Don't It'll be worry back. about that. Yeah, it, it could potentially be back. We might have left some stuff under his desk. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> don't worry about it. He'll see it when he sees it. Um, but we got to basically get everything the that the the person that the person on TV doesn't necessarily you know that's not going to come across. So I, I thought that was just really cool seeing. Um, so oh my gosh, we knew about this coming into the day. Uh oh. That's terrifying. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting. My friends are, are currently. Oh, it's gosh. it's eight o'clock in the morning. So shout out to Aaron Clark and Jeff Colby for sending me pictures of new wallpaper uh, for my phone of me and just Gene Chizik because they zoomed in on the crop the photo. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, Gene. Uh, Gene had this. Apparently, Gene wears this SEC pin. That was funny. Every single every single time he's he's on air, and he he sort of he, he sort of brags about it. He says this is what what champions get because obviously yeah. he won the 2010 national championship, and so he always kind of gives Dari and Dorian crap about this. And so Dari had a bunch of these pins, these SEC pins, sent to him via Greg Sankey. Yeah, and so they show up to. They show up to uh, the SEC Network Studios where Dari comes in at 4 o'clock right. because he takes over for PB. And Dari has a bunch of these SEC pants. And he and Doring wear them. And they, their their question was, how long will it take to see for Gene to see that we are wearing these pants? Yeah. And instantly, like right, like knew it. He's like, hey, like, what are you like, What, what the you, crap? What's, what, like, what is this? And so he was not happy. He said, like, hey, I'm a champion. I earned this pin. Yeah. Take this um, off right now. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, my, my, my low-key favorite part, we talked about this yesterday, was um, we're sitting there. And, and so what's, what's crazy about like the, the production side of that, and there's just so much stuff that goes into it that you don't see. So it's like you see those three on camera. You see the cameraman. And like, usually I, I would tend to think like cameraman, director, and then, you know, whatever else. A couple but, people. But this yeah. is like... You have like seven people in the production room. They're constantly looking like, give me this, give me this feed, give me this. Well, like, like you know, cut to this and coming down three, two, one. You have like seven people in that room alone. You have people that are that are constantly cutting up uh, and and mixing together like game footage to make in the highlight reel. Um, so the whole operation was probably 40, 50 people, right, minimum, like of just and and just all working together, which is awesome. But they have like a stats guy, a research guy, and they're constantly looking up stuff. And we're sitting there. And Devonta Smith catches his his, and I only say this because this is not supposed to be like the Bama Homer in me that came out. It just I thought was funny and pat myself on the back. A little sick brag here from you. Yeah, but well, because it's like you know I, I joked around this last night. It was like I was just a fan, always just a huge fan, and it paid off. Like it, it like all of a sudden it was like oh cool, this like obsession I've had has, has turned into like a job, which is just cool. And the Devonta Smith touchdown. 
He catches his fifth touchdown, and they're like, well, that's that's good. And I can tell that Dari's got someone in his ear. Chizik Doring, same thing, got someone in his ear. And there's a stats guy over here, like, looking stuff up. And I go, oh, wow. So with that catch, I'm pretty sure he just became the, uh, like, he set the single-game record for receiving yards in a game. And then at the five touchdowns, that should at least tie the single-game touchdown record from somebody. And they're, like, looking at me like, is that really? I go, yeah, well, I know that. Sean Alexander had five against BYU in 98, and then Santonio Beard had five against Ole Miss in 2002, and then you like, hear like Marler. you hear like somebody like typing, and all of a sudden he's like, that checks out, that is accurate. And I was like, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Score one for Marler yeah. on that one. It was a great day for 2010 Marler with the, the Chiswick interaction. It's been a great year for 2010 Marler when you think I don't, about well, it. Well, no year is good for for 2010 Marler. But Behaving yeah. in the press box. Being yeah. Able to, being able to actually interact with Gene Chiswick and not have any sort of backhanded compliment or any, yeah. sort, of, any sort of savage remark from you. I, I'm impressed. You've come a, a long, long way. Well, now that we're not in front of him, let's get enough. <laughs> yeah, I just, I never would have thought that, you know, Gene Chizik would be one of my favorite people in media. And then Barrett Slee is the man. He's so good at picking games. Yeah, go figure. He's, like, I, I was wrong about, about so many things. We're going to talk about some of our picks this week. We're also going to talk a little bit about the bloodbath that was Saturday night yeah. in the SEC. We've got some, um, just some some things that I thought were, were worth mentioning about the way that the top five shook out. We want to talk about that because I think right now it's as interesting as it's ever been, at least in the last yeah. year or so, with the way that people are going to vote on their top five. And then, well, because of Clemson looking very, very average, um, we're going to guess some week six lines. But before we do all of that, Marler, Texas Pete. Yeah, so we were on the road this week. We didn't get to stay home and grill out and cooking that stuff up and... Um, you guys came in clutch. There were some great, awesome, photos. great, yeah, some great photos uh, of y'all's tailgates. There were some great photos of just like your individual recipes and some and some meals you were cooking up at home. Um, one gentleman with with just a bloody mary, and he was like, I think he made the comments like I shouldn't put them together. I was like, you, I can be wrong, sir. Yeah, you better I put that thing in there right now. Having a bloody mary without Texas Pete would yeah. just be. I'm foolish. Uh, having a Bloody Mary in general. Having a Bloody Mary is... is Texas Pete with it. That's the best way to put it. Like, having a Bloody Mary is... Like, it, it'd be the same thing as, like... I don't know. I, I, I don't know a good example right now because it's way too early in the morning. But, I mean, like, the only way to make a Bloody Mary even remotely tasty is a Texas Pete. Yeah. Yeah, it saves everything. It saves our lives. Um, so... Make sure you're sending us all your favorite pictures, your game day recipes, your game day tailgates, uh, your game day meals. I don't know. It didn't have to be like a tailgate with a bunch of people. You could just be sitting there by yourself like I did for years and years and years, hunkered down in your living room with just one fork and nothing nothing else going for you, just some elbow <laughs> grease in, in one hand and then you have some in Texas Pete in the other. Send us that. I'll, I'll, I'll love it. And use the hashtag sauce like you mean it. So hashtag sauce like you mean it. Make sure you send those out to us. Um, and as always, you know, explore explore the uh, the universe of Texas Pete too. It's not just Texas Pete. Our buddy Tommy O'Rourke out there and uh, in Australia, who's who just does great things for us with the gambling world. And, and I don't think his parlay hits. Sorry. I don't think it is either because it's stupid Arizona. But um, you know, it's not just the Texas Pete. It's not just the hot sauce. Make sure you're checking out all of their products, including Texas Pete dust. dust. Yesterday when we were at the SEC Network. And there was a, a little area that has like a bunch of booths where you can where you can eat. And, oh yeah! And they actually have little TVs in there too, which is pretty sweet. It's ridiculous. And one of the camera guys was eating dinner. He was eating dinner by himself, and I I saw him. I, I saw it because they have they have dinner that's that's catered there, 
and I saw him just eating by himself, and to his left was a bottle of Texas Pete. Yeah, you know, you're never eating by yourself with Texas Pete. This is true. I almost went up to him and took a picture and said, hey, can we use this for our social? And then I thought that'd be really creepy. Well, yeah. That, um, um, also, yeah, and last thing, last thing about that, this, this movement that I've tried to start, it's obviously, you need to t- uh, tweet us or, or you know, post an Instagram with the hashtag sauce like you mean it, but Hot Girl Fall, Oh, it's Hot, who over. even remembers Hot Girl Summer? I don't. I don't know. Just yeah, memory. Who's Kylie Jenner? I don't have no idea. Regardless, Hot Girl Fall is, is in full effect, y'all. Let's talk about some actual football. We weren't necessarily treated to a full day of nonstop entertainment, I thought. Um, I, I thought that... I thought that last night we were going to get some some better games, and that did not prove to be the case. You pointed to something just now. What did you point to? I can't see. I, that I don't know how we managed to do this, and maybe you brought it up, and I wasn't listening again, um, which tends to happen. Oh, shout out Amanda Brooks. Yes. So this first and foremost, we should just open up with this. Amanda Brooks is the nicest, kindest person. I, I love Amanda Brooks. SEC She's the best man. SEC Network PR. She handled everything yesterday, showed us around the entire facility. Thank you so much. For yeah. Her. She took so much time out of her day. She's usually traveling. She, no, road. she didn't take time. She, this was her day. This was her I day. I felt yeah. so, like, so like four o'clock, I was like, so when, how long you got to stay? And I was hoping the answer was like, we're going to stay all day because she was so much fun to be around, so energetic, and like so helpful and nice. And then she was like, I'm, I mean, I'm staying for as long as you guys are because that's why I'm here. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna camp out, so I don't know. What to tell you. No, she was she was awesome. She so. was. Yeah, we'll have a, I'll have a, a column coming out. I think Monday, either late Sunday night or Monday. By the time people are listening to this, it'll probably already be out. Just kind of documenting the yeah. day that was with the SEC Network crew. Last night was an absolute bloodbath in the SEC. Let's talk about the nighttime games first. I thought Bully going down pretty much told the story for Mississippi State. Bully was. Uh, inexplicably taken down by Booby Whitlow. The fight in that dog was probably more so than the fight of Mississippi State on Saturday night. That that When you see that happen yeah. as a fan, you know in that exact moment, our team's going to suck tonight. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, I think, and I think our friend Paige um, Kuhn from, from Bleach Report, she put it best. That was targeting. It was. 28 should be gone. Booby Willow. That was, that was funny. I, I just, the, not him getting hit, which that was not funny. Um, Auburn came out there and, 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 and you, there's nothing worse as like a, a fan of the opposing team, especially like spending all week being like, okay, man, especially if there's quarterback situation or like, you're like okay, you're talking yourself into how is this going to work? Because I said before the game, I was like, I have a very hard time understanding how, how Mississippi State's going to score points. And it, against that defense, Kylan Hill is not going to get his yards. I, I don't think that they're going to sit there and they were going to like, you know, go back and forth and, and match up well with Auburn and be able to stay in that kind of game. And to go on the road and it be twenty one zero in the first quarter and and the game's over. I mean, like that again. We, we talked about this before, but like like I talked about with Chris Gordy the other day um, in Baton Rouge is that. When at those old Bama LSU games, you you had a, a feeling once you got up by nine points and it was officially a two score game, this game could be over. And I think the way they all, the way Auburn's defense is playing right now, you kind of get that you feeling as an Auburn fan. Yeah, you have to wonder: Did New Gus put out a hit on Bully? New I, Gus is not. Listen, <sighs> there's a lot of stuff that I'll say about New Gus that is good. If he did that, that would be bad. That would be bad, New Gus. Good for the brand. Good for the brand. Bad overall, yeah. though. I it sort of felt like that because. He came out with it with a game plan that I thought was just on the money. Receivers were schemed open. Bo Nix made some nice throws yeah. in this game. And like you said, you look up and it's 21-0, and you're thinking to yourself, 
Mississippi State going to score 21 points today? I when, when New Gus, like the most impressive thing about him was when in the third quarter, I don't know if you saw this on, on, on the broadcast, is when he hopped on a, uh, a high... What do you call it? Uh, Hot rod motorcycle. Yeah, with like like the high handlebars, mm-hmm. and rode off with one hand on the wheel or one hand on the on the bars, and then one hand with a cigarette just dangling out of his mouth too. Flipping the bird with the other hand. Yeah, yeah, just and just rode in front of Joe Moorhead and that entire bench. It was rude. And just kicking up dirt in their face and rode out straight out of the stadium yeah. for most of the third or fourth quarters. To presumably go get a drink, I assume. Like, well, he might have just been flasking it at a Waffle House booth. And then and then was nice enough to come back like with his like actual coaching threads on and took off the leather jacket. Um, all the girls that were with him on the back of the, the bike, he, he told them to go, you know, wait for him at the Waffle House. So he came back and, and shook Moorhead's hand. But the blatant disrespect to ride off in a chopper like that in the middle of the game that was that was that was new from from New Gus. What does New Gus order at Waffle House on a night such as anything that? he and wants? Uh, but maybe the better question is what 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 does New Gus not order on a night like that? Because his offense looked really, really good. And for the people who have been saying Auburn is not a top five team because their offense doesn't look the part, I think if you watched that game on Saturday night, you thought, oh, crap, this team can be an absolute problem. Yeah. Not, not just not just right now in a team that is is playing really well in the first month of the season, but this is a team that if, if they're if they're playing like this down the stretch, that that is, man, I, I don't even know what what Auburn is capable of yet. I really yeah. don't because I still think that the offense is figuring some things out. I think that Bo Nix is still figuring out who he is as a passer, the right reads to make in these in these tough spots. And I thought giving them essentially a twenty one zero hole gave him all the confidence in the world. And right now, I think Auburn is is just as scary of a team as, as any in the SEC. I truly believe that yeah. because they've been in a variety of situations now. And yeah, Mississippi State's defense has some issues. They're playing without Willie Gay. Errol Thompson gets ejected for targeting in the second quarter of this one. And right when that happens, you're thinking to yourself, this is way over right now. There's no chance. But they shut down the SEC's leading rusher in Kylan Hill. And Garrett Schrader, yeah, he had some garbage time stuff. But this was a dominant performance, an absolutely dominant, look like a top five team yeah. type of performance from Auburn. No, I agree. I agree. And I think that was like the topic of conversation afterwards. Like, where does Auburn belong in the top 25? It's so tough to figure out. We, so yeah. one of the things that we did after, um, when we did uh, post-show beers and stuff with the SEC Network crew, we come up with a top. We come up with top fourteen in the SEC. Yeah, and we try and figure out what exactly, what, like where exactly the discrepancies are, and trying to figure out where Auburn is in this hierarchy that also includes Georgia and LSU and Bama is really difficult. You know, what was interesting was, and for all the Georgia fans that got so pissy with me last week about how, like, like I think there's just some people that relate to the game and, and me putting them third in the power rankings, and they beat Notre Dame. And, and and deservingly so, like if you beat a top ten team, you shouldn't move down ever, and they hadn't. But somebody had moved them down to four in the post show beers power rankings. I forgot who it was. Was it you? I think I might have. Was it Dari? I think I had him at four. Did I have him at four? I had him at four. Oh, it was you. I, I wasn't alone in that. I wasn't alone in that. I had him I had him at four and I felt terrible about yeah. it. Um, wait, no. You know what? I think I might have actually had... You know what? No, I take that back. I, I take that back. Auburn fans, I take that back. I actually had Georgia at four. Yeah. And I had Auburn at three just because I think Auburn has played a little bit more complete so far. And I think what yeah. we've seen against the, the, the teams that they've had to face maybe even a little bit more impressive. That's not to say Georgia's bad, but one through four in the SEC is loaded right now. Absolutely loaded. Yeah. Let's, let's change gears here because I think there is 
a couple of things that need to be brought up with Mississippi State. This is the third time in which Tommy Stevens has started a game that he has not been able to finish. He injured his foot in this game apparently now, which I didn't even really realize because we weren't listening to audio on that game, and I didn't realize when he went out, everybody was just kind of wondering why is he being taken? So he's being taken out already. Why didn't Garrett Schrader just start in the first place? This is an odd move. It wouldn't have mattered either way. It wouldn't have mattered either way. Garrett Schrader looked better, and I think moving forward now, I think Garrett Schrader's got to be the guy. I think we're at that point. You know, it just it, in the bottom line, I hate I hate to say this, and I don't want to be dismissive to a fan base, but I'm just going to let you know just what reality is here with this. And this is a team that that your biggest win so far is you beat Kentucky at home. Yeah. You had to hold off a late charge for that to happen, and that's a team without a starting quarterback, and you were at home. And I said this last week. I said, what happens like you your only road game in quotes is that you went to the, the Superdome against Louisiana Lafayette, and you beat them by ten points. And it was, and you'd score late. Like yep. it was, it was close. Your quote that I hate so much when bring up with gambling, it fits with what is going on. Mississippi State is water found its level. Mississippi State is, is, and I don't want to say always will be, but they are what they are. They're an eight win program. And that is the ceiling of Mississippi State right now. And you, you can, you can get mad about that all you want, but when you're in a division with LSU, Bama, and Auburn, for the most part, that's three losses. And if it's not Auburn, and because Auburn, you know, they beat Auburn last year, it's Texas A and M. And if it's not Texas A and M, it's I, I mean, it's usually not Texas A and M. Well, I mean, it just it's one of those things where it's like you you were fortunate. The crossover game this year is Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You got to play Kentucky. I mean, like, and your ceiling is still eight wins. It's not like that out of conference schedule is very tough. This is just who you are. Yeah, I'll be honest. You know that I'm. If there is a Joe Moorhead apologist club. I, I'm the leader of it. Yeah. I, I am the guy for it. I watched this game and said, this is bad for Joe. Yeah. This 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 is a just a bad, bad look for Joe because it was over before it started. And to not even have a chance against a top 10 team on the road. We've talked That's about so good. the struggles that that team has had historically on the road facing top 25 teams, how, how bad that's been during the playoff era. In order to change the, the culture and to, to rise above this proverbial eight-win ceiling, you can't go into a place like Jordan-Hare and get smacked in the face like that. Right. They looked unprepared. They looked undisciplined. They looked unready to play 60 minutes with a football team that gave a crap. And for Mississippi State fans, I feel for you. That yeah, was rough. That was that's tough absolutely rough because your team was outcoached. New Gus outcoached Joe Moorhead in every way possible yeah. in that game. And Joe Moorhead owned it. I mean, he said after that game, the first thing he said was, the thumb points right back at me. And he has some big-time adjustments to make because – this can splinter. This can absolutely splinter with a team that is still figuring out who it is. And there are a lot of guys, a lot of up, upperclassmen in that room that are kind of wondering, where do we go from here right now? Because yeah. eight wins ain't a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. Not, Just well, because we, we all yeah. assume it for Mississippi State because they they always seem to be at eight and four. There's no guarantee that this team can get there. The team that played last night, that's not an eight-win team. That's a flurry okay, of here's, here's, here's a Here's a game that you've brought up several times before the start of the, se- or before the, start of the season. As, as who you'd be buying the points on, and that was Ole Miss. Who looks like they're a better football team right now? And I'm not telling this isn't a recency thing because I've been saying this for the past couple weeks with Ole Miss and what they look like against with Cal and Memphis. Who looks like a better football team? I think that's I think that's tough to answer because it's not. I I think that's well I think that's tough just because relative to competition. I think while and we'll talk a little bit about Ole Miss later on when we talk about Bama and, and what they what Ole Miss was able to do and having. The, the best rushing day against Alabama since the kick six. Sorry, had to bring it up. Had to bring it up. But I think right now Mississippi State, 
I, I think if, if you put them on a neutral site, they would still be favored over Ole Miss. Yeah. I predicted in the preseason that I thought Ole Miss would beat Mississippi State. I also said I thought Mississippi State would beat LSU. I'm backing off that one already, just seeing the way that the offense is, is, is turned out. I don't think LSU is, is, is on the same level as Mississippi State, needless to say. In a good way. But yeah, in a good yeah. way. LSU is, is definitely above Mississippi State, and I would be stunned to see that happen at this point. But I would still probably say that Mississippi State overall is is the better team. I would still trust them more. I still think that Kylan Hill would be able to have some success running the ball against Ole Miss. But I think right now for Mississippi State, this is a huge crossroads. Yeah. This thing can go one way or another. This offense needs to figure some things out because it's it was it was a bloodbath. The defense obviously does too because that was yeah. I mean. All right, let's move on awful. from Mississippi State. It's like twenty minutes. Of- <laughs> South Carolina, Kentucky. South Carolina ends the streak finally. Yeah, they did five it. years in a row that Kentucky has beat the Fighting Will Muschamps. Well, I guess three years Fighting Will Muschamps. Two years Fighting Will Muschamps is a scary way to put that. Like that doesn't even sound like it's just like I know. a proverbial thing about. No, it sounds like he like fighting Will Muschamp would really be a, a mascot. <laughs> Good for South Carolina because the defense was dominant. What a fantastic response from that team after it looked terrible last right. week against Mizzou. And Gamecock fans were thinking the sky is falling. You lose again to 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 Kentucky, and all of a sudden you're zero and three, and you're one and four overall, and you're the laughing stock of the SEC, and you're wondering how much support you can get for that Will Muschamp buyout. I'm not saying that this changes the opinion of Will Muschamp. I really don't think it does at all, but I thought South Carolina, to its credit, finally played like a defense that we thought it could be in the preseason and finally showed up and actually made things look difficult for an opposing offense and didn't just let them run away with things. Right. No, I agree. And and, and here's something here's something to think about. And, and this was something I wanted to point out a while ago with what was going on uh, after the Bama game because people people made a huge deal about how Bama can't run the football. It, it wasn't even the fact that like, well, South Carolina is putting up all these rushing yards against Bama. It was mainly like Bama can't run the football. You saw what they were able to do against South Carolina, and it wasn't much. And granted, two or three for like four thousand yards in that game. South Carolina football, thirty-five tackles for loss this season. It's a lot. Thirty-five. David Pollock said this a couple weeks ago, and I, and I brought this up in the preseason, and 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 I brought it up last week is that. South Carolina has one of the most underrated defenses, defensive lines. Yeah, maybe talk, in the country. Talked about Javon Kinlaw yeah. the other day with the top ten players. Yeah, yeah. and then you you know you you look at what happened last night, um, and now of course it's going to escape me. Who was the kid that had three sacks last night? Uh, T.J. Brunson was everywhere for South Carolina. It wasn't T.J. Brunson. It was um, what in the world? I don't know because we didn't we didn't have the audio on this thing. But regardless. South Carolina's their, their defensive line has 35 tackles for loss. They're getting in the backfield early. They're disruptive. They've been very, very, very good. Oh, DJ Wanham. Oh, DJ Wanham. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So he had, he had three sacks last night. Um, they've been very, very, very disruptive. And this is a this is a Kentucky team that remember they, they got four sacks last night. They got one sack to Florida. Offensive one line sack. has been the calling card for Kentucky exactly. so far this year. That's, exactly. That's the key. South Carolina finally stood up in the trenches and looked mm-hmm. good on both sides of the ball. They ran the ball with efficiency. The two-headed monster of Rico Dowdle yeah. and, and Tavian Feaster. I say two, two-headed monster a little bit reluctantly because they haven't really been that No, so but they far both had year. over 100 yards. Both had over 100 yards in this I mean, game. It looked everything like what South Carolina fans were hoping with Ryan Linsky, who's still developing as a quarterback yeah, in great. this game. Didn't look great, but did it need to when the defense is going to play that good? Yeah. And when you run the ball that good? Makes life a little bit easier. Yeah, no, agreed. And it, the fact that they had, the fact, like, when I, when I bring up the tackles for loss thing, it's just, that's just strictly from a standpoint of, like, I mean, obviously Florida leads the way with that. It's ridiculous. They have 45 already. But when you have 30, 35 tackles for loss, you think of the best defensive line in the country, and it's clearly Auburn. It's clearly Auburn. Yep. 
that's one more than Auburn has in these games. And, you know, and that's that's something there's something to be said for that for a team. You know, that UNC offensive line they went up to had uh, went up against returned four starters and had the fifth least amount of sacks out of any team in the country last year. So for them to be able to do this consistently throughout the entire year, it's not just against Bama, it's not just against Kentucky. They, they've been able to do this for most of the year. And it's it's we're getting to the point of the season where we're almost the halfway point, which is just terribly depressing. But don't say that. It's, don't say that. It's time. It's time to. It's, it's time to be able to like to look at stuff and be like, hey, like this is. He, here are the actual. Here are the flaws, and here are the the bright points. And this is a bright point. This is this is part of what South Carolina is. But part of the problem too is that this team is so Jekyll and Hyde. You yeah. can't figure them out on a given week. I have, I would have no idea how to bet this team. Yeah. At all at this point, I think that they take the under, like I told you. <laughs> They kind of epitomize what what the division is right now. The SEC East is is sort of wild, sort of unpredictable. We had Kentucky winning outright in this game, and part of that is because of the streak, yeah. But at the same time, I thought Kentucky's offensive line was going to be able to sort of have their way with South Carolina. Well, that did not part, prove to be the case. I said I said this in our weekly uh, predictions article. The only reason I picked Kentucky is because of the fact that you just saw what Ryan Helensky was able to do on the road, and he was injured. And I I just thought flat out that this game was going to come down to his health. And he didn't he didn't set the world on fire with his stats or anything nope. like that. But at the same time, like a healthy Ryan Helinski, it look it looks oh, it's a one eighty compared to what it was against Mizzou. South Carolina gets that first SEC win. Kentucky is still searching for it. I said before the game, I thought this game was bigger for Mark Stoops than it was for for Will Muschamp. I stand by that. This is a team right now that I said throughout the offseason, I thought the the, the fall off the face of the earth comments was was unrealistic. I had people chirping me. And I had people bringing up my old tweet saying, um, I couldn't believe that Kentucky didn't get an AP vote and South Carolina did. And then people were saying, this is why. And they were going back on this. Bless you, Marley. Thank you. And I, I think that right now, Kentucky, we won't spend a too much too much time on this. But Let's go to interesting teams. <laughs> Kentucky, we, we do need to put a bow on Kentucky because they didn't finish with Sawyer Smith at quarterback. Lynn Bowden, ya boy. Yeah. Had to come in and play a little quarterback. And two I, for two. Two for two. Yeah, to his credit, versatile. I think he's getting one step closer to winning the Paul Horning Award for the most versatile player in the country. Here we are, 94.1. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Sawyer Smith was awful in this game. And he has been. He, he has been. And... And they missed Terry Wilson. I'm not going to call out anybody, but I'm not going to call out any anybody. No, but I don't am, do it. Don't I am going to say one thing. The next time somebody comes at me on on social media with something that's like, "Hey, I moved Kentucky down because their starting quarterback, who was also the starting quarterback from a 10 win team last year, and also a team that doesn't return Benny Snell, he's out for the season." They need, so they that's, need Terry Wilson. That's upset. Yeah, he is. He, Obviously, miss him, especially in a game like this. Yep. When you have that guy who's an upperclassman, who's, who's, who's played, has an unbelievable amount of experience, and also from what we saw in the beginning of the season, has progressed and, yeah. and, and become a lot better. When when something like this happens, I get the Kyle Trask thing, so I'm not talking about Florida fans. But when when you move them down, like in your rankings, or you think like, hey, this is a cause for concern, it doesn't mean it's a cause for concern when you play someone like I don't know, like Toledo. Yeah. It's it's a cause for concern when you get into SEC play, and it was, and just you know, like Sawyer Smith, he's he has some some issues. Schedule still sets up well. Kentucky still should be able to to improve and get a little bit healthier and win some games down the stretch. Real quick, you want to guess what Sawyer Smith's QBR was? Oh gosh, six. Oh, wow. (laughs) Not good. There's that. We had extremely different pick of the week stories. 
So to clarify, okay, this wasn't my pick of the week. It was either one, way. It, it was uh, the one. The Vandy game was you, one of your picks of the hold week. Hold on, Connor. Connor wrote this out in. The, this is the first thing he wrote in the doc. He, he was just chopping at the bit to be like, guess who was right? Guess who was wrong? Just unbelievable. <laughs> no, in the no, middle, no, no. it's the was, first thing he did with his computer. I was going to come to your defense on this because let's explain the situation. So when we when we put out our, our picks of the week. I only I only have one out there, so I'm just yeah. I'm living and dying by that one. You put four out there, and I, I believe. And I, you know what? I, I said early in the week, like I wrote down, here's what I like, and I, UAB flat out was my, my pick of the week, and it, it still failed. But I was going through, and I was like, I like this, I like this, I like this. I said stuff like, oh, I love that Ohio State first half line, love that. Uh, love Vandy minus six. Love the under and UK South Carolina. And if I would have just gone with what I originally thought instead of doing too much like I always do, I would have been like two and two, which is fine. Instead, the Vandy game happened. I, I put the rest of my gambling account that I have, say, like, that I still have, like, in my, or whatever, on Vandy money line. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to chance it. I'm not going to chance it. I'm just, I'm just going to make sure to start the day with a win. So I, I, and I won that. But Northern Illinois, we can't cuss, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it in front of you, especially because I, I have just too much respect for those those good wholesome ears of yours. But f Northern <laughs> Illinois, that so, two point conversion was. For those who don't know what happened in this game and why it was significant, because we're not gonna sit here and break down too much Vandy stuff. But from a gambler's perspective, it was fascinating because a lot of people had Vandy minus six and a half, and in this game, Northern Illinois. Scores a touchdown to make it twenty-four to sixteen. Late, he was, fourth was, quarter. Fourth quarter, late. So, what does a team do when it makes it twenty-four to sixteen and it has the PAT pending? It goes for two and gets it for absolutely what? no reason. For the, absolutely no reason. The reason was one hundred percent because Northern Illinois knew the spread in this game. The coaching staff absolutely knew the spread. There's no way they did not know that they were six and a half point underdogs and they wanted to make their boosters some money. They wanted to make them happy. There's no other reason I, to go for I two just, in that spot. There's Northern none. Illinois doesn't have boosters, I would assume. Oh, they have boosters. They have a couple. No, of I mean, I, I'm not going to get into arguing the if that's true or not. Cause it's, I mean, I could see. I could we see couldn't believe point. they went for two. It's, we it's just, it's it. just, it makes me so, like, at the end of the season, I bring this up every week. At the end of the season, there, there, you will look at my, you will look at my picks, or we'll look at like when we do the staff picks, and it's like you look at a win loss record, you you look at a win loss record, or or like like yesterday, some somebody wrote in our Facebook group, it was like Bama's defense gave up thirty one points to so and so, and twenty four points to South Carolina, like or twenty three to South Carolina, is that concerning? And it's like you know what, you know why it's not concerning because those two touchdowns were scored with a combined twenty seconds to go in the game. Yeah. So at the end of the season, you'll look at the win-loss record and be like, oh man, Marler didn't do that great. It's crap like this that is like, this is why Vegas is so tough. This is why Vegas is is so frustrating and maddening because this is, I... uh, Real quick, on Vandy. Is Vandy the worst team in the SEC? No, Tennessee is the worst team in the SEC. It's not even close. Gosh. Tennessee's awful. If they played on it, I know that game. We gotta wait another couple months for that game. I mean, the anticipation. Who's a better coming. coach? Who has more? Who has more star power? Who has looked better so far? That's. I mean, I don't. How's the, the better coach? Yes, I, I definitely give to Mason. But I think right now, my gosh, what what an awful first. What did Andy? But yeah, but what it, they just won a game. 
And, I know, and every, but, but well, everyone's made the excuse like, well, they they had the first, they had the toughest first three games of the season. Tennessee didn't have the first, the toughest first. They played BYU at home, who lost yesterday to Toledo. They they played Georgia State, who had won two two games all of last season. Yeah, they beat a UT Chattanooga team like a drum, and then they went and pissed their pants in public down there at Florida. Like they they are, they have been not only have they been bad. The BYU game aside. You got the the games weren't close. The yeah. games were out of reach, and and like to say that against to, to say that the the game was out of reach for Tennessee against Georgia State when you've had the entire off season, and then, and then when you rally the troops, <laughs> you rally the troops rally and go down to Gainesville and you lose thirty four to three. Tennessee is hands down the worst team in the conference. I think in the SEC there are teams fighting over that last spot, that number fourteen spot. Man, every single they week. want it too, huh? <laughs> yeah, teams fighting for that number fourteen spot. How about Arkansas, which? That was my lock of the week. I said Arkansas was going to cover plus 23 and a half against AM. Shout out to Tommy O'Rourke, our favorite Australian, because he chirped me about it. He said there's no way that Arkansas is going to cover 23 and a half against AM. AM's going to boat race them. Nuh uh. No. That never happens in this game. The fighting Chad Morrises stood up once again. They made this game, this weird game that's played in Dallas always. that is always close every single year. Arkansas actually had a chance to win it at the end with your boy, Ben Hicks. He's not really your boy, but no, he's, like, not. he's your boy from a nickname perspective. Arkansas actually had a chance to win this game. And they were they were in it throughout, despite the fact that Nick Starkle threw an interception, as typical Nick Starkle does these days, oh, and then tried to take on a hit that he definitely should not have. In hindsight, huge mistake. I think if he had been wearing the Bieber shirt, he doesn't think like that. I, I don't I don't know what he was thinking. I never also I never realized that like like Nick Starkle looks Looks so much. He Nick Circle looks like if Pete Davidson was. You said this the other Oh, night. I did say that already. Did. Well, never mind. I'm tired. Yeah. Um, no, he. But he like he looks. He he, he looks bad, and it, it's we talked about this last week with like your hobbies. Like, what are your hobbies? His hobbies are just throwing throwing picks, throwing picks throwing man. Picks it's not good. <laughs> yeah, thirteen SEC losses in a row for Arkansas. I think Arkansas fans are actually somewhat encouraged. For they this. should be. I know they're. I know they're depressed because they actually had a chance to win it. But no, who like okay. That would be upsetting to have a chance to win and then lose it. But like, think about just let's let's be realistic. Like, where's your program at? Where's your program at? This is this is a this is this should be positive takeaways from this. Coming off a loss to San Jose State, I think the only way to go is up. Probably one win, San Jose State. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, so for Arkansas, you know, and I'm giving myself a little pat on the back here because yeah. if I was on that college game day underdog killing it section, I'd be I'd be killing it. We're Picks, locks of the week are, are officially back in, yeah. in a big way. I think this said a lot about AM as well. I think AM right now, fans are wondering, my gosh, this is just brutal. We couldn't even run the ball against Arkansas. Couldn't run the ball no. against them. This is a team that San Jose State put up 500 yards of offense against last week, and AM couldn't do anything right. offensively. It was a grind for that team. You cannot win in this division, in this league, when you are one dimensional. And right now, that is A&M's biggest problem, and it just makes they me have wonder. a dimension. I, I mean, apparently, well, the receivers are stud, and Kellen Mond can can occasionally scramble and, and yeah. find one of them, and they'll make some plays. But this is just this is a disaster. I think A&M's offensive line is not at the level that people thought it was going to be. And looking at the rest of the schedule, as I said last week, you're wondering, man, this can get ugly. There's no guarantee. It's gonna it, get ugly. Think about if Kevin Sumlin had lost a game like this, and what we'd be saying about him right well, now. Well, neither one of them lost a game like this, which is good. But at the same time, yeah, if Sumlin was, I mean, <laughs> this is what happens when you sign someone to a Dan Ugla contract and you just give them <laughs> give them all this money guaranteed. Like, I'll go ahead and I'll. 
I'll ruin what the surprise. Uh, well, it was seventy-five million for five years. Uh, ten years for, no, for no, Jimbo for, for five for for Ugla. Yeah, and they're equally dumb. And and I will tell you what, like Jimbo is just it's the same way I brought this up with South Carolina fans in the off seasons I was like I'm not trying to be rude but like what is your what is your program what what are why are your expectations this crazy and it makes more sense to have like, to have A&M have like these lofty expectations because I get the boosters I get the facilities I get all that and the recruiting is going to be there but you know take a step back for a second look at what Jimbo was doing when he there's a reason Jimbo left Florida State there's a reason Jimbo left Florida State and, 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 you know, you talk about, like, Florida State was a dominant powerhouse for years and years and years. There's a reason they are not anymore. And the person who was at the helm when that happened was Jimbo Fisher. And, and I can't help but think, a lot of the criticism, people say that Jimbo just stopped recruiting offensive linemen at Florida State. I I get that there's talent coming through the pipeline there. I, I get all that. But A&M right now just does not stack up in the trenches like an SEC team. Was, it, was this the example we said the other day when we talked about, like, I used to always say this with, like, when I was like a terrible person, especially before I met Ali, like, like I, I was so good at three week relationships. I was so good at three week relationships with girls because it'd be like, oh yeah, I'm fun. Sick I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm entertaining. We have, we can have fun together. And, and until you have to really get to know me and all of my flaws, <laughs> that's I'm great. And you're starting to see we're in year two of Jimbo, and things are going to get tough. Like you're, you're last year. That that LSU win did so much for his offseason. Oh, it really does. Because instead of having to really like examine him and be like, okay, what what really happened in year one? What needs to improve? It was man, nine wins. Just think of the possibilities. What's going to happen now? And now you're looking at it like, oh god, like this. You have to really do some self, you know, examining, examining, evaluating, evaluating, examining. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> year two for for coaches is more difficult, I think, than we realize. I think you look around the country, yeah. Jimbo, Pruitt, Scott Frost getting waxed by Ohio State. Listen, that fourth week of dating, uh, it's a lot, a lot more difficult than the third week. Everything's all good in the third week, and you hit that fourth week, and you're like, oh, okay, we got to figure some things out. Speaking of Ohio State, very popular topic of discussion this weekend, and maybe more so than any, any recently that I can remember, is how all over the place I think the top five or yeah. six teams in the country is. I think there are people who watch what happened Saturday, at least early in the day, and they're saying they watched Clemson go wire to wire with UNC, the fighting Mac Browns. I was ready to blast and return to the Mac. I think the rest of the world was on my side. Mac Brown decides to go for two. Ultimately, Clemson gets the stop and wins that game, and they avoid a colossal. Y'all think y'all think I sit here and and just hate on teams that are good or that have, have jaded me in the past, and you're right a little bit, but this one. I told y'all, I told y'all that Clemson is not as good as everyone. Like this is, and listen, they might, still, they can, they're still going to win the ACC. They, they're still probably going to go twelve and zero. You know it's, what it is? It's twenty fourteen Florida State all over again. Yeah, it's it's twenty fourteen Florida State where people were talking about, and I'm not, I'm not definitively saying that this is this is their fate that they're just going to run into uh, Oregon. And now I remember that season. The team that was so good in twenty thirteen with Jimbo that just was one of the best teams in the twenty first century, in yeah. my opinion. And that's exactly what Clemson was last year. And then you come in the, the next year, and you're looking at Jameis, and you're thinking to yourself, ugh, he has not gotten Weird. better. And you're looking at Trevor Lawrence, and you're like, he has not gotten better. No. And they're having to grind through some games, and you're wondering about their strength of schedule, and you're wondering what this is going to look like when they face a really good team. I think that's right now the problem that people are having with Clemson, and why, in my opinion, Clemson doesn't deserve to be number one. No. And, and here's the thing, guys. What's the excuse? I want, and I'm, I'm genuinely asking that. What's the excuse? Because you know, with the Tua thing last year, 
everyone immediately was like, well, look what he did against ranked teams or top 25 defense, top four defenses. And that's a real thing to be like, it's hard to argue. Yeah. Like all like mm-hmm. five, I think five of his interceptions were against those defenses. They, he Like the yardage numbers were down, the QBR was down, all that kind of stuff. Defenses, one, all the defenses that were good, he was playing late in the season. And, and then on top of that, you get a book. Like you, you, you yep. finally get to understand like, well, like this is some tendencies. Here's what this offense is doing. Here's what like, you know, this and that. But when you look at Trevor Lawrence and everyone was so ready to anoint him, the best quarterback in the history of college football, and that 30 touchdowns and four interceptions is a phenomenal season. We've yet to see him get punched in the face. Right. He's getting punched in the face. You remember, remember the first season, 2016, with Jalen Hurts, before we found out all, all the flaws and like, yep. well, he's not throwing a lot. Like the, the throwing could be a problem. He's developed this later, blah, blah, blah. He, he went to the national championship and was two minutes and 30 seconds away from being a, like an absolute legend like in in SEC history in before Deshaun Watson threw that touchdown pass think think about like think about the difference in that and then the second year he comes back and he he's like whoa yeah and granted he had a, a change at OC but like Trevor Lawrence what is the excuse you're playing against a team that's UNC on the road this is this is with the talent the talent around him too it's it's, it's not like so stupid Travis Etienne is is a stud obviously Justin Ross and, and he's not doing anything T Higgins, T. Higgins too yeah T Higgins had the nice t- had the nice touchdown catch you've to got go a ahead, first round running back a first round receiver probably two first round probably two well I mean yeah I meant like just strictly this year you're 100 oh, yeah. right like it, it is going to be Justin Ross is definitely a first round receiver so you're right How, what is the issue what is the issue I think watching Clemson compared to Bama yesterday which is the comparison yes we, we make it often because we've seen these teams meet every single yeah. year and I think watching Bama Bama against Ole Miss really impose their will and just blow them out of the water from an offensive standpoint Ole Miss I, I mean Ole Miss I, I thought coming into this was going to be able to do some more things Bama still put up 59 points against Ole Miss. Right. And I understand that people are going to say, well, yeah, Bama's flawed because Bama let up the most rushing yards they had in a game since the kick six. And it's the second time I brought that up and you haven't punched me. So thank you I for mean, doing that. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's one of those things. This is, this is, and I hate to sound condescending about it to, or like dismissive about it, but like in the same way that when, when people are like, Oh yeah, like like I brought this up a couple weeks ago with South Carolina, and I was like, that game was never close. That game was never in, in question, and I meant to say in question. Ole Miss was leading at the end of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Well, Lottie freaking da! Like it's like it like what what? Bama goes on and scores thirty one points. Thirty one points oh, in the, the next quarter. By the time you finish that sentence, Devonta Smith had another touchdown. Finish. Right, exactly, and so it's like one of those things. And, and and for me, as like a Bama fan, I invite all this in because I'm like I'm. I told this to to Doring yesterday several times. I was like, man, I I hope we have problems. I hope they give up touchdowns late. I hope they have all these things. They're gonna piss off saving going into the bye week and then and then getting those things fixed and try to try to, you know, like get better. The the issues for me are not the fact that that like they're giving up a lot of points it doesn't matter to me they scored a touchdown five seconds ago that if there's an area of concern for bama the area of concern is the rushing defense and chiswick brought this up yesterday and we'll talk about it it's it's not the fact that they were giving up points it's the fact that they or even a lot of yards yeah at the 276 i don't care about any of that it's the fact that they were doing it by constantly running right at you and it was 4.8 yards per rush they knew they could do it it wasn't like it was the citadel in like 20 that that blank through a 10 horn game where it's like well they broke off a couple big runs because they had you know they were running the option this is they True just, freshman in his first career start john right. rice plumley i know we've been yeah. saying it wrong it's not reese plumley it's john rice plumley which we corrected yesterday and Rich Rod actually drew up a pretty good game plan against Bama. That gif of Rich Rod just going berserk oh, in the press box. 
that's something that I'm going to need to see on a weekly basis for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitively. But, but at the same time, like I'm not, I'm not trying. To, there are there are problems on the spam defense, and they're all in the rush, rushing defense, and they're up front in that front seven because they have flaws right now. Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're starting four true freshmen on the front seven. Four true freshmen. Okay, so we talk about Bama's flaws. This is a, these these questions are different. The most deserving team from that number one spot in the country right now is different than who is the most complete team in the country. I think if you ask me right now who's the most complete team in the country from what we've seen. From what we've seen so far, it's Ohio State. And there's no way what, what they've that. done defensively is just unbelievable. For and I and I've said I've said on this podcast before, the competition level is not where it is for the rest of the SEC. Ohio State hasn't even faced as good of a schedule as Bama. You can make all the jokes about Bama's mm-hmm. schedule so far. Ohio State is Oh yeah, that Duke game looks a lot better, huh? Duke game's starting to look a little bit better. Looks like Duke's for, not that bad of a team, guys. And as for Clemson, that AM home game, not looking that good at all. Yeah. Not looking get that good. At me, y'all. So so I think Ohio State is the number one most complete team. Yeah. The most deserving team for number one right now. I think I'd probably if if I had an AP vote tomorrow, I'd probably give it to I'd probably get Bama the number one spot. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I that that one's tough because it's so tough. <coughs> I do think the Ohio State thing. I when I brought this up from like a gambling perspective, I was like Ohio State the first half has been so dominant that that might just be like a, a play I make the rest of the year because their defense is giving up like. 1.5 they were going in they were giving up like an average of 1.5 points in the first half and they pitched a shutout so Georgia fans watched that game last night and they thought to themselves oh crap no they didn't I I, I think watching Justin Fields it, because it's not and I've said this before there was no choice other than to stick with Jake Fromm without a doubt there's, you can't go back from that moment and say oh Justin Fields should have been absolutely put in over Jake Fromm what Jake Fromm did getting him to a national championship but I think watching Justin Fields just ball and look like everything they thought he was going to be yeah. was was difficult on that stage where college game day goes to Well, I bet it was cool, too, to watch, uh, to like, if you're a Georgia fan, I bet it was cool to watch an offense um, with, with like, the, the confidence or just con- consistency to let their quarterback throw deep, like, deep balls and, like, actually Crazy. cut them loose a little bit. Isn't that weird? Not like, because you have this kid that's so good. He's just so, well, no, I'm not talking about just Fields. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Fromm. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that would be the only thing I'd be envious of. It's like, dude, you have weapons everywhere. Like, cut him loose. But no, the stuff with Ohio State, like, they've been so dominant, especially early on. They put people away early. The, like, Chase Young is everything that we thought it would be. He's, he's as advertised. The stuff with Bama, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I couldn't put him number one, I don't think. It'd be so of, difficult. Picture if the selection committee had to pick the playoffs yeah. today. I mean, I know that we get more. We get more data for a yeah. reason. There's a reason we have conference championships and all that stuff. Think of how tough it would be if yeah. we had to do this today because I think the well, four SEC teams would be in the discussion and then obviously you'd have to talk about Ohio yeah. State and you'd have to talk about Clemson despite the fact that their resumes from a strength of schedule standpoint are not that good. No. But Ohio State has just been so unbelievably dominant that they have been, they would have to put themselves in that conversation. If, They're the number one threat to the SEC in my opinion, more so than yeah. Clemson right now. Clemson, like, Listen, if we're basing this off of who of what we've seen with our own eyes and 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 like throughout this these games so far, Clemson's not a top five team. Yeah. If you, like, do I think that they are one of the top five most talented teams in the country, and they're no going to end up in the top five and be in the playoff and like top four and all that? Yes, without a doubt, because the ACC is a joke. But right but now, right now, from no. what we've seen, and there's no way to argue it. There's absolutely no way to argue it. Like you, you, like yesterday in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, not inside the Dean Dome, they were in very, very real danger of losing a game. And I looked at you at one point in the third quarter. I said, because because I, I said it have to go hammer Clemson in the, in the second half line. It's like happen. it's like fourteen. 
game. And you look up and there's five minutes to go in the third quarter. And then you know there's like 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And the score hasn't changed. It's 14 to 14. When you have all these weapons on offense, you're not scoring. And, and you're having to look at like a Bill Venables defense, celebrate fourth and Brent ones, Venables, whatever. I don't care. So it's like, but when you have like the fourth and one, like these like huge celebration, Dabo pumping his fist, it's like, this is sad. So you're going to have to defend this. It's like, imagine having to defend that as a, as a voter. Because and, and you people that talk about like AP, well, the AP said this team should be. Imagine having to defend that as a voter and, and watching that game and be like, man, what a gutsy performance against I would UNC. not want to be a voter right it's now. It's a joke. Um, let's also, I, I sort of buried the lead on this. Last thing on Clemson, the guy that you are currently catfishing, Falongo, not the best moment <laughs> for a two-point conversion where they try and run the triple option. Yeah, I think you oh, yeah. Back what in the, in the hell was that? I slide back in the DM and say, Coach, I don't think that was your best work. I think if I had been back there running that yeah. play for you. I, and I tell you what, guys, here's here's the thing. You got you got everyone that's like, if, if you're talking about the top five, my top five would be this, to be to be fair. It would be Ohio State 1, and then I would probably have LSU because they're winning against Texas. Based on best teams right now. Based, best teams right now. And then I would have Bama. And then, well... Those best teams would probably have Bama ahead of LSU. So Ohio State, Bama, LSU, Auburn or Georgia. I'm I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with Georgia, and then I'm gonna stick with Auburn just because of I, the the potential of those those teams and and what I think I, I trust I I think those two teams are very evenly matched. Auburn has a much more impressive resume, no doubt. But if you're talking about a team that both play stingy defense, both have similar offensive not styles but like you know like production i'm taking the the veteran quarterback over over the freshman all day but and listen here's the problem with with anybody that's upset with like the the, the bama defense saying things not a problem you're still winning by how many touchdowns four touchdowns yeah again yeah it's never close yeah i know y'all got a lot to deal with Let's go to some week six lines. Let's get let's, some let's lines. skip this because i gotta catch a flight let's all do right. fourth and wrong let's do fourth and wrong we'll well, guess- i will say real quick how about we do two? How about we do Florida? We'll guess the, the line for Auburn, Florida. And we Georgia, talk- Tennessee. Yeah. We were talking about this last night with, with the guys. We are trying to figure out. Yeah. I threw that question out there. What in the world is that line going to be for Auburn and Florida? And they're saying they're saying Auburn's going to be favored by, what, four in this game? I think I think that's too much. I don't think Auburn's yeah. going to be favored by that much. I think Auburn maybe Auburn one and a half. I'm going to say Auburn three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Wow. With the hook. I mean, well, you, talk, you have a backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean that that is that is theoretically true. It is still the swamp. Well, you know, you know that place is going to be a great oh, atmosphere. Man, we don't really question. <laughs> we, we now we don't question whether or not Auburn can go in there with a true freshman quarterback. Yeah. We've seen him go into College Station do really well. But at the same time, I, I do think that Vegas has been reluctant with Auburn so yeah. far. And I think that right now this this line though it could move a lot. Here's you know I, I want Florida fans to listen up, and I want you to listen up good because I know a lot of you out there think that I hate you. If there's ever a week, if there was ever a week to show that up. Uncle Chris was oh. going to be doing the Gator Chomp here, it's this week. And you know why? Um, I, I I am excited for this game for a couple reasons. You saw how the crowd was kind of sparse because it's so damn hot in Gainesville. You have game day. You yeah, got a three thirty. Well, yep. You got a three thirty kick. You got the throwback, fresh to death, G'd up from the feet up. The uniforms it. coming in. I can't wait. I got goosebumps. I yeah. gotta love football. That's gonna be a great game. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to that. And then the other one that we wanted to do: Georgia and Tennessee. My guess was Georgia minus twenty nine and a half. I'll say Georgia by a thousand. <laughs> um, no, so this one's on the road. But remember what happened last time? 
when George was on the road to Tennessee. It was like 41 that, that's when, that's when that's when the sad fans are sad uh, memes just started coming in hot. I'll take I'll take Georgia at uh, at thirty one. That was when Tennessee fans realized, oh, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble. That we're was in trouble. Not that they they thought that they were going to be yeah, Georgia necessarily, but yeah, that was, um, was a, a a very humbling moment. I think. yeah, fourth and wrong. Let's do it. Let's do this. Um, okay, so fourth and wrong. Uh, each time we ask you guys to send in your best non-football related questions or advice um and you guys i think we pushed this last night at midnight you guys killed it again as usual of course so first question um if you oh yeah this is good if you had to pick a meal to eat for the rest of your life what would it be who's that question from jamie spence if you had to pick a meal to eat for the rest of your life yeah my default answer is deep dish pizza Oh yeah, but pizza's so good. Deep because pizza, pizza's great because you can go in a variety of ways with it. Yeah, you know, you don't just have to stick to the one, the one type of thing. I, I, I would, t- and there's a good variety of flavors in there. Mm-hmm. I would probably go pizza. I also never get sick of eating mozzarella sticks. I know that sounds yeah, like a childish I answer. Eat that for the rest of my life, because that'd be. That, I mean, you, you know, have some problems there. The digestive yeah. system, but <laughs> if there were no sort of repercussions, yeah. it was just foods I don't get sick of. I'd go with one of those two. I'd say pizza or tacos. Tacos is a good. Tacos, I mean, like that's anything, because really you got to think about like you got to put some breakfast. I'll tell you what, breakfast pizza, oh man, that's the good stuff. Mm. You put that like a little Jimmy Dean thing. Um, no, but tacos, uh, I'll probably go tacos on that one because you can. They're so versatile. Some sort of egg egg thing too. Yeah, I, love, I, like every I day. love chips and salsa, man. God, Ooh. I love chips and salsa. Or chips. And um, yeah. Okay. Next question from Chris Turnberg, a big USC fan. When is it acceptable to start singing Christmas carols? This is a debate that is ongoing in our house. Just wait till after Thanksgiving. Man. That's yeah. just wait. Just wait. It's what are you, what are you doing by by rushing it? You're you're devaluing the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. And if you bring it, I'm not. That's not to say that you should take Christmas lightly or anything like that. But let's just save it for the right time yeah. of year in terms of getting into the holiday spirit because then it just kind of looks a little bit tacky. You know yeah. when you go into Michael's and the the arts and crafts places and they have Christmas music going pretty much after Halloween. You're thinking to yourself. Come on! Like, why, why do we I, why do we need two months of this? Uh, it's commercialization too much. It's, yeah. Let's just save it for after Thanksgiving, and let's let's let the rest of the holidays get their proper due. Yeah. Well, and, and Thanksgiving is the best holiday of the year. It's not even close. It's like fantastic. It, it, I mean, you get like I, I just love that 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 time of year for me is just like when you get to start giving up. And <laughs> like you just it's that that week for me it's like like you remember like in school it's like oh man we okay, have Thanksgiving then we have like maybe a couple more weeks and then it's Christmas break yeah. or like if you're in college and it's like okay I've got like finals week and that's it I'm, I'm gonna go home for Thanksgiving real quick get like boozed up with my friends I haven't seen from high school or something stupid but like for and you know like for, like for me last year it was like we we stayed home and did Thanksgiving and then. And then I, I just remember living in sweatshirts. I was like, this is great. What a life. This is, yeah, I know, right? Um, oh, there it is. Uh, no, but I, I, w- I will say that uh, like for me, I, I think after Thanksgiving, I was like a staunch after Thanksgiving. There's some songs that are okay. There's a short list of songs. Remember, like, All I Want for Christmas is You from Mariah Carey. Yeah, that's Chris, a banger. Like, I mean, my favorite of all time, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus Going Town. There's a, Do You Hear What I Hear from Whitney? <sighs> Hello. Yeah. That's the good stuff. Chills. But, like, yeah, I'm not going to be, like, you know, making gingerbread houses and listening to B98.5 nonstop listening to Christmas music, which you I know you don't get that reference. But um, Okay, next one. Uh, what is the most overrated TV show of all time from Robert E. Lee III? Hmm. Overrated. I know people want to say Friends. I think Friends is the Ooh. default answer here. 
I'm not. Not I, a single black person in, in all of New York. That is outrageous. <laughs> that never that never happened. I'm I, I'm I'm not one of those people who was a diehard Friends person yeah. at the time. I wa- I can go back and watch those episodes now and think that they're really good. I think that's that's sort of the the answer for for this generation. Yeah. Um, I, I don't you know. Maybe a, a show like like Mash or something like that. Whoa. Yeah. Is that, I, is that overrated? I've never watched it, so I wouldn't. I, I haven't mean, either, yeah. so I really can't. Even I, so I would that. say, like, from when I was growing up, like Frasier. Frasier seems cool like Frasier seems like it's well, it was it was on like a Tuesday. Well, that was a Tuesday night primetime show because Thursday was loaded. But like Frasier, Frasier for me is a, is a show for people that love cats. And no offense, it, it's it's such like a niche. Like like anytime people speak in like you know they're from America but they have like the king's English and they speak in this weird almost British accent yeah. it's like the same kind of like can I say assholes because I did okay same kind of a-holes <laughs> that, that people like they add like an e at the end of shop like just alright stop dressing it up what people do that it, like well, I'm talking about like at a store oh okay it's like come to my candle shop it's like with just, two peas and with an two e. peas and an e it's like, yeah. or like grill with an extra e yeah. like, get what are you doing out of here yeah. hot girl summer doesn't have an e in there. I, want, I want to know that or hot I, girl fall how about I love Lucy over that's not that's not okay what you're doing okay and I'll tell you right now as, as someone that grew up with just a single mom me and Pastor Patty Sue we didn't have cable okay we had every single I love Lucy uh, episode on VHS Okay. That's what. Yeah, that was the darkness. I grew Little up House in the Prairie. A little bit overrated. That was, yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I, yeah, can you imagine growing up in the seventies? Oh, it'd be awful. Um, okay. Last but not least, um, hold on a second. Let's see here. We got to get a good one in here. Um, now nah, we can't do bucket list. There, we've already done that. Uh, we've already done a best Halloween costume for a dog. Okay, if eat, if animals could talk. This is from Ash Williams. If animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Which would be the most polite? Everybody's going to want to say that cats would be the rudest animal. That's the right answer. But... And it's because they don't have a default face like yep. a dog. A dog's default face, even after a dog gets knocked into when it's standing politely yep. in the end zone like Bully innocently was, a dog is still going to look happy after that moment. Yeah. A cat in that moment would just have a frowny face the rest of the time and would look like it wants to murder you. That's what they always look like. That's what they just kind of always look like. They don't yeah. have their mouths naturally hanging open. I, I think cats would probably, some sort of cat, not yeah. just the, the typical feline cat, domesticated cat, but some sort of cat. Maybe, I think a cheetah just would be super, super oh, mean. I can see that, yeah. Super mean. Like a jaguar? Oh, yeah. No one ever says like, oh my God, that jaguar's so cute. No. No never. one says that. That's a good point. Um, I, snakes Snakes are, I wouldn't think that all snakes are mean. I don't think all snakes are mean. I grew up with, uh, I had a teacher in fourth grade who used to let us play with his, his his snakes and geckos that he used to have in his classroom. So I got to like hold on to a python as a oh, fourth that grader. is not. I got to watch him eat a rat and do all that stuff. I, yeah. I will never forget one time me and Allie went down to the science fair at, at uh, at Piedmont Park, like we're just like we're like walking through, and it's like, oh cool, it's a festival, and I thought it was like a fun festival. Like, there's gonna be some dumbass art out here. Somebody made a didgeridoo out of like bamboo or something. No, it was it was like a science festival, and it was like all for kids. And they had a, a reptiles visit. Like, for, so for me, it's like I, I I always like like seeing the snakes at the zoo or something like that, but, but then being yeah. like, oh, get away yeah. from me. And there was this dude who was like very awkward and like. He was just sassy, I'll say that. And he had... Marler is, is shaking yeah. his shoulders it's, right dude, now. He, so he, he, had this, he had this snake on his shoulders, and he's walking around, and he's wearing this hat, and I'm like, surely his hat does not say what I think it is. And I get up closer, and there's kids all around, like, petting the snake, and he's got it on his shoulders, and his hat just said, Daddy. Whoa. And I was like, sir, 
You absolutely cannot do that. I, I so for me, cats is the obvious answer. I think sharks are pretty big assholes. Yeah, they're always up to no good. We can agree the nicest though. It's otters, right? No, it's queso. Oh come on, that's, that's the nicest a, dog ever. That's such a bias answer. No, wait, wait, you he, can't just say your own pet. You, you got to pick something that's look not at Queso's face. He's the best. No, so I would so koalas. Yeah, koalas. Yeah. No, koalas like. Because koalas don't care about anything. She's like, hey, what's up? I'm just eating. I'm just hanging out on this tree. Koalas or pandas? Pandas, no. Pandas can be mean. Really? You've seen those videos. I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> you watch panda. I you watch pandafights.com? Yeah, of course. Um, okay, yeah, we, gotta, we gotta cut it out of here. Let's now. end with it might mean too much. There was a guy at the AM Arkansas game who had a SEC painted <laughs> onto his chest while wearing a, a half. A half shirt. A midriff. A, a midriff uh, Arkansas shirt. He had long, flowy hair. He looked like Ed McCain. Shout out to anybody who understands that reference. This is why people make fun of the SEC. Yeah, that was Because they can catch fans like that on a random day. Picture if you went to a neutral site game in the Pac-12 and you saw somebody with a Pac-12 logo painted onto their, their chest with a half shirt. Would never, ever, no. ever happen. This happens in the SEC. It does just mean more. That's right. To go out of the house with that look to have that dedication, unbelievable. Um, all right, we're gonna save, we're gonna save our, our five-star reviews. We yeah, have a lot I gotta of go to the airport, I'm we're gonna, gonna miss my flight. We're gonna save them, we don't want Marler to miss his flight. We didn't get to talk to Coach O this week, but thank you for everybody who's following yeah. along with all of our stuff on social media. Um, make sure you continue to follow us, give us a five-star review, rate, subscribe, tell your friends to do that, all of that fun stuff. Coach O, you're on by, you're coming back to action this week. What's the one thing we gotta remember? It might be too much.